Okay. Hi. Hi. Um, I guess my first question would be, I, right off the bat, love all of the titles for the tracks. Um, <laughs> and I know that's something you worked on personally. Where would you say the, uh, the inspiration came from? And do you have a favorite? Uh, I definitely have a favorite. It's probably my favorite title of anything I've ever uh, titled. And it's uh, Frankie Muniz Fan Club Official. <laughs> um, because I, it's just, I, it just works perfect for that track, which is like the sickest, darkest, most evil track on the whole two records. Um, so, uh, but as far as that, I mean, obviously, like, that's like the track that's horror music. And so it's referencing the fifth episode, which takes place inside of uh, Harley's brain. And uh, they're all the little Harleys running around and they're all, you know, obsessed with Frankie Muniz. So that's why that's called that. But if you listen to it, it you know, um, it starts off with a little delicate keyboard thing and then goes crazy. Um, as far as the other uh, track names go, uh, it was just like a big combination of, uh, you know, some things were very easy to name, like Harl Ivy was easy to name because it's their love theme, you know. Um, but um, I just tried to pick uh, references or lines from the show that are uh, memorable but abstract. Like, you should be able to look at the titles. Let's say what I wanted was, if you're listening to a song, and you're like, I can't remember where that's from. And then you look at the title, you'll be like, oh, right, this is called Deuces. And I remember that time when the Queen of Fables put up uh, middle fingers and said Deuces. And then you're like, oh, so this is Queen of Fables music. Um, I was gonna say one other. Chris about is how much lead time do you have uh, between episodes and composing? And did that change uh, significantly between season one and season two? We did all 26 episodes as one thing. Um, and it was just basically a continuous process. Um, generally on a TV show, you get one week per episode. Uh, I was lucky on Harley that I got, uh, an a I got average two weeks per episode. So 26 episodes times two, 52 weeks, it was just like a year of writing Harley Quinn, basically, and like not stopping. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was a, like, I couldn't have done this show the way I did if I only had a week for each episode. Um, it was sort of vitally important that I had uh, twice that much time in order to make the music what it turned out to be. I mean, I think I would have come up with a different solution for the music had I only been given one week per episode. Um, but I had the luxury of being able to really dig in and try different sounds and try to come up with unique uh, instrumentation. And um, so, yeah, it was pretty, I mean, it was really like best case scenario when it comes to writing music for a TV show. And, and just beyond that, everybody who works on the show is the best. And um, it was just, everybody was on the same page all the time. Really very little tension or friction at all. I think you can feel that in the show too, you know? I think you feel that everybody worked on the show is having a great time making the show.
I'm going to circle back around to Kelly. Um, so in the in the actual albums, the songs appear out of order from how they appear in the show. Um, and you said it's kind of a different take on the same story. Uh, what was your sort of narrative goal as a storyteller with, with switching that up? Um, so the way I thought of the two albums was um, that the beginning of the first album is sort of like a dramatis personae of uh, the characters, right? You have to kind of let people um, uh, know who the characters are in any story that you're telling. And so the score is like front loaded with character themes for that reason. And I think it also serves to kind of get the listener back into the world of Harley um, by um, reminding them of what these characters sound like. Um, and then uh, continuing along with the first record, um, it was more, then it was like, character development and also um, sort of setting environments, right? Uh, so um, there's the heist track, you know, which sort of puts you in those scenes. There's the fight scene track, which puts you in those scenes. Um, and then when it comes to season two, now that's all in place, right? Season two is then like a deep dive and actually has some kind of narrative. I think I, it's basically in show order um, with the exception of um, Only Love Sets Us Free, which I pushed back to the very end because for whatever reason, it felt putting it at where it happens in the show, it felt like the, the rest of the record felt anticlimactic to me after that because that's the track that plays when Ivy and Harley um, escape from the pit and kiss for the first time. And so, and it's just a giant piece of music. Like, it's just so big um, that I felt like everything after that kind of fell flat. So I, I pushed it back to the end of, of the of the record. Everything else on season, t uh, on the season two track tells tells the, the, sh the, the story in the in show order. Does that make sense? I feel like I didn't answer that. No, no, that, well. that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, so with uh, composing music for the soundtrack, you know, you, I know you mentioned, you know, having that um, carnival feel, of course, that Harley Quinn vibe. Uh, was there any um, major challenging aspects that came to developing uh, the soundtrack itself? Um, how do you mean? Just like logistically or? Like, um, for instance, uh, if they said, hey, you know, Kite Man, you know, what would his, what, what, how would you pick uh, his type of theme of music to go with if he was to have a theme song? Uh, yeah, I, I come up with palettes um, in a lot of different ways. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of getting up a synth and uh, typing in Ivy and seeing if any of their sounds come up, right? Um, sometimes that just works. And like, it's like, oh, that sounds like Ivy, Poison Ivy. 
and that sounds or like for ivy for example here's another like she's all nature right so like in the search bar i would put like nature plants green you know like anything that sort of like conjured up uh her character in my mind um and then just sort of going through the things and say oh that sounds like ivy that doesn't sound like ivy and then you sort of whittle it down to the things that are the most you know meaningful and direct um and uh yeah as far as the orchestra stuff goes you can, it's less uh had a self-imposed uh moratorium on listening to any dc score that anybody else wrote um from when i started working on harley until we finished um and i've seen everything that dc has put out in, since batman the 1960s batman series um until uh i started working on harley so like very intimately aware of what superman sounds like from the 80s you know versus what superman sounds like uh from the 21st century um but i didn't want to listen to any of that stuff while i was writing my version of what those characters sound like um i just wanted that to be kind of a abstract memory that informed the kind of music that I wrote for each character. Um, but I worried that if I started listening to uh, everybody's Batman theme, um, like Danny Elfman's and Hans Zimmer and all the Batman themes, uh, that then I, I, I wouldn't be able to have my own sort of pure new take on that character um yeah that's it all right um in regards to um the harley quinn you know it's it's opens up a world i think of possibilities and uh potential tv shows that could you know perhaps branch off of it as well um so definitely fingers crossed of course for season three uh is there any particular projects or films that you hope to compose someday or would like to work on um i mean i you know whatever path led me to um doing animation like I didn't, you know, I had a very different musical career before I moved to LA eight years ago. And uh, then this eight year journey sort of led me to doing animation. And uh, it's like, it feels the, the like a right fit for me, um, for the kind of music that I write. I tend to do big gestures and like, um, I, you know, my music takes up a lot of room. Um, and you can do that in animation in a way that you can't in live action because everything, the, all, the whole sound, the dialogue, the sound effects, everything is a fiction, you know, it never existed anywhere. It's all perfect. You know, the voices are recorded in a perfectly silent um, uh, recording booth. The sound effects aren't from a set because there is no set. And so as a composer that gives you more room um, 
to do bigger gestures. And when I was a classical composer, that was just what my music sounded like, big, huge, sweeping gestures, you know. Um, that's not to say that I can't rein it in for live action, like the stuff that I write uh, on uh, New Amsterdam um, is necessarily much more in the background because that's what that show uh, needs. So the answer to your question is, I would love to do more animation. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't be against having a DC uh, blockbuster film, like that would be okay too. And then beyond that, um, I came out here uh, thinking that my sincerity and my earnestness and my depth of the classical music that I wrote was gonna like lead me to indie movies and award-winning movies and stuff. Um, the path ended up being different, but I still would love to um, do something that was more, um, you know, sun dancey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Here. So I'm curious how the current isolation situation has affected you in terms of not being able to go to Comic-Con and do these music and animation panels and stuff like that. Do you find that you've missed them or is it a case of virtuals working fine for you or where are you in that whole uh, process? Yeah, I, I did the uh, a virtual panel for Comic-Con um, and uh, I have no idea how many views it has, but uh, that felt pretty normal to me, you know? Um, I think that, uh, I don't think I want to get too deep about coronavirus, <laughs> but let's talk about, you know, metaphysical, like what's going to last, uh, after this is all over, how, how much of the changes that we've made, um, because of, uh, quarantine are going to stay because they're good ideas, you know? Um, I guess that's a silver lining to me about what's happening right now. Um, I think it's been a, a, a long time since we've had the capability to live a more um, streamlined existence by using technology. Um, and I think this whole process is just accelerating that. And um, I, you know, that part of it, it, it unfortunately, it, you know, uh, unfortunately it, it's a dark cloud like a really dark cloud, um, but that's the that's one of the silver linings of it to me. Um, I think that we're going to come out the other side of it as an industry, and just maybe the whole as an industry, like with having to, uh, uh, with having been forced to think of creative ways to do things in a new way for two years, however long it's going to last until we get a vaccine. Um, I think that's I think that's a healthy process for people who make creative stuff. It's like the uh, what's that? Uh, um, is that Werner Herzog, uh, Gus Van Sant movie where they give each other restrictions and make short films? I can't remember the name of it. There's you know, there's a reason why there's only twelve notes in an octave. Um, because it just limits your choices. Otherwise, it's like you can do anything. 
<laughs> that's really hard as a as an artist to have um no restrictions whatsoever okay we're gonna do a couple more rounds if that's okay with everyone sure kelly so um i mean you're you're a musical department of one for the show but after you've first come up with a track um you know and introduce it to the rest of the creative team do you find that you're having to workshop it a little bit and go back and and change anything or is it kind of just accepted the the first draft is the best um two things about that um i was the music department but i did have a small team uh that would help me out um with the mountain of music that we had to write it's composer matt novak and uh christopher french um i mean they're credited on the uh, soundtrack, uh, which tracks they worked on. Um, and they were invaluable and they're amazing. Um, and uh, so I was the captain of the ship and, uh, you know, made final decisions. I, I, I think there's um, this unfortunate idea that of the, genius composer the delicate genius composer who sits down at his piano and like you know writes everything but that's not how it works in this town it works just like any other department like the costume designer is not sewing every stitch on every costume they have like a couple people who work for them that uh, help them you know, produce stuff you know and uh I just wish it was more understood. I think it's a, it's a disservice to everybody to just uh, have this idea of, of the composer, the great composer or whatever, you know, it's just another department. Um, and that's trying to, to help tell someone else's story. As far as revisions go, it depends on the show. It depends on who the showrunners are. Um, uh, I've worked on some things where I got five, six, ten revisions for a queue, and it's just never right. And I've worked on shows like Harley, where me and the showrunners have been on the same page since day one, and they generally have like one from zero to two revisions for each episode. Um, they basically took it as is. Um, and that's not, uh, I th it's not a function of that I'm a better composer than anybody else. It's just that sometimes you have this like synergistic connection with um, the people, the project and the people and uh, like they know. I think we were all just like, yeah, this is what this show sounds like, yeah. Nicholas. Thank you. Uh, this will be my last question as well. Um, in regards to uh, piggybacking, how you mentioned, you know, picking up those natural sounds that create those rhythms that you're able to uh, jump off of. Uh, and the fact that you also had to take a lot into consideration, like listening to other soundtracks to kind of get that Batman feel, as you mentioned. Um, 
is there any particular uh, piece of music that you were most proud of that one song that you really like, that's your song uh, that stuck with you? Yeah. I mean, I think that Poison Ivy's theme, the second track on the first record, I can't remember what the Latin is because some, it's whatever Poison Ivy official, uh, you know, um, genus and species name is Toxicodendron radicans, sort of this. Um, her theme took me the longest to figure out because her, her character is really complicated. She's like the most, probably the most powerful uh, supervillain on the show. Um, I mean, controlling all plant life on Earth is like really, really powerful, much more so than like Clayface or um, any of the other uh, main characters. Um, but paired with that, she's just this indie emo girl who like is Harley's roommate. And so trying to figure out how to tell her story um, that both um, recognized how powerful she was, but also like um, also understood that she was just this kind of like messed up girl, you know, who had a really terrible childhood. And out of all the themes, Ivy's theme took me the, the longest to come up with. Um, and uh, what I did with the track, that particular track, is um, if you listen to it, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the tracks where you can hear all of the ingredients of her sound, right? Starts off with the big epic version of her thing and then gradually reintroduces each of the ingredients that I used to create her sound, builds it back up into the full sound. Um, so if you, you know, if you're listening and want to listen to what my process is like, um, in fact, the order in which the sounds come is, if I remember correctly, the order that I built her sound up in. Uh, so I came up with the atmospheric stuff first, then the bass line, then the chords, then the melody, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. I think that's the one that I'm proudest of. That's awesome. I'll, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out when I listen to it very tentatively. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so bit of an off the wall one here, but somebody asked me to make sure to ask this. Which artists do you think are on Harley's playlist? Uh, it's funny you should mention that because I was just talking uh, to um, my management and I was saying that I want to make a Spotify playlist, um, which is what Harley and Ivy would just listen to when they're hanging out at home. Um, and, uh, and so I'm in the process of doing that. Um, and, you know, um, there'll be punk on there for Harley the emo on there for uh, Ivy, like, you know, just whatever they would listen to. Some nights, you know, um, they want to dance. Other nights they just want to like drink wine, candlelight, whatever. So I'm working on it. And uh, hopefully it'll be out like within a week or two. Awesome. Thank you.